like that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday like edition of the Logan Blackman Show. This is the first Monday we've actually recorded in a, a, a good couple weeks. A good, a good couple weeks. Pretty much since the playoffs started. Because uh, we did not record a show for Monday after the wild card round. We did not record a show for the Monday after the divisional round. We did not record a show after the Monday after the championship round for the AFC and NFC divisional rounds, or championship round, sorry. And we didn't record to start the year. So when was the last Monday we recorded? I don't know. It's been a long time. It's been a very long time, but there's no big things going on today. There's no big things going on today, so I have time to record. I'm sitting by myself, so I can record anything, anytime, however long I want to. So I'm not meeting up with anybody. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. So I'm just sitting here on a Monday, finally doing a show. And before we get into everything we want to talk about today, because there's a, a decent amount, a decent amount we want to talk about. I am tired. I will say this. I am tired, so I will apologize in advance that this show absolutely sucks cock. But if it doesn't, good on me. And if you're hearing this, that means it was good enough to record. Or I just said, you know what? It's whatever. It, we're just, we're just going to send it out. Send it out. It's, it's fine. But, uh... Before we get into what we're going to talk about today, make sure you follow Logan Blackman Show on every single form of social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram account is Blackman Logan, with the show's Instagram account being The Logan Blackman Show 1. Facebook and YouTube, search Logan Blackman Show. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Watch a couple videos while you're there as well. And then go to the Facebook page. Make sure you follow and like that page and check out a few blog posts on there. You can also find podcast links on every form of social media and blog posts as well in every single form of social media, as well as going to the LoganBlattmanShow.com. You can check out all the different stuff up there. There's a lot of different tabs you can click on and check things out. I'd recommend that as well. But the most important thing, the only way you know what I'm saying right now at this very moment is if you're subscribed to the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts, or if you're listening to it right now and you're not sure if you're subscribed or following the Apple Podcast Spotify account, make sure that you're doing that right now. So you scroll down or do whatever and just make sure you follow. And also while you're doing that, leave a rating out of five stars. It'd be a five-star rating. It'd be a one-star rating. I really don't care. Just leave a description down below on why you feel the way you do. That way it could be constructive criticism. It can boost my ego. It can do absolutely whatever the hell you want. I don't really care at this point. But there's something that happened today that I found interesting. And I did not know how it was going to work out. And we lambasted this thing all last week, pretty much. Because remember last week, we got the the fortunate news, the brilliant news, that not only was Patrick Mahomes not going to play in the Pro Bowl, because he's obviously in the Super Bowl, but Joe Burrow was out, and then Josh Allen went to the Pro-Am, which he finished fourth in. Aaron Rodgers finished first, so congratulations to Aaron Rodgers. Josh finished fourth, which, you know what, fourth is good. Fourth is good. He could have. He essentially finished fourth in the AFC this year. So you know what? That all works out. It's a very nice, nice number this season because the Bills scored less points than the Jaguars. So that makes them the fourth best team in the AFC this year based off where they finished in the playoffs and how many points they scored in the, the divisional round of the playoffs. But that's not important. The important thing that we're trying to talk about here is that the quarterbacks that were placed said Mahomes, Burrow, and Allen. It was Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr, and Trevor Lawrence, and going into the Pro Bowl, we said this on Friday's show, and I think it was the national, like, attention grabber, the, the national, what do you want to call it? Like, the public opinion, the court of public opinion said that those guys really do not deserve to be here. They don't. They really don't. But that being said, Trevor Lawrence, the way he played in the latter half of the season, 
Like, you look at the Jaguars' schedule in that first half versus the second half, it's like two completely different teams. If you would have said that first-half team would not only make the playoffs, but win their division and win a playoff game, I would have called you crazy. But that wasn't so crazy once we got to that point. It just got crazy once Trevor Lawrence threw four interceptions in the playoffs in the first half, and we're down 27 nothing at one point in the game. But in the grand scheme of the whole season, Trevor Lawrence was the most deserving out of the AFC candidates. And Tyler Huntley, oddly enough, was the fourth alternate for the Pro Bowl. So in the... Like, I don't know how that worked out. I don't know how that managed to work out. Tyler Huntley is a fine quarterback. I don't want to say anything like I would start my franchise with him or he's equal to Lamar Jackson because those people that say that are just trying to get an opinion out. Just trying to throw shit at the wall and hope it sticks, pretty much. That's what we're trying to do when people say, oh, the Ravens are just as good with Tyler Huntley than they are with Lamar Jackson. And that's not a bash against Lamar or against Tyler Huntley, but it's more of a disrespect to Lamar Jackson because this is the second ever unanimous MVP in NFL history who the Ravens' offense runs entirely to and through. Like, it's all Lamar Jackson. And Tyler Huntley this year was not deserving of a Pro Bowl nut. He had two touchdowns. Two touchdowns in the regular season. And we talked about this on Friday's show. LaDainian Tomlinson, one of the greatest running backs of all time, had three passing touchdowns in 2005. A running back had more passing touchdowns in a Pro Bowl season than a quarterback did who had way more pass attempts than LaDainian Tomlinson had back in 2005, I would imagine. Like, I remember going through all these, like, when Taysom Hill was getting first talked about being the Saints starter after Drew Brees retired, remember when that was all, remember how fun that was? And the whole thing was, like, LaDainian Tomlinson has more passing yards than him. Like, LaDainian Tomlinson, a running back, is getting compared to all these different quarterbacks, and people want to talk about how great LaDainian Tomlinson is. That should tell you right there, then and there, conversation over. We're comparing guys that people are talking about being potential starters like, I remember, I'm old enough to remember people said Taysom Hill was New Orleans' version of Lamar Jackson. Remember that? That was fun. And then Tyler Hundley is apparently this guy that the Ravens can just go to, and he, they don't even need Lamar Jackson. But LaDainian Tomlinson is a better quarterback than both of them, statistically. Statistically, for one season. Well, LT had more career passing yards than Taysom Hill until, like, last year or something like that. I, it was some weird stretch where Taysom Hill was barely throwing the football, and LaDainian Tomlinson had more passing yards than him. Everybody was like, oh, you know what? Taysom Hill, franchise guy, because he can run the football and it's very fun to watch. And he's he's just throwing his body everywhere. He does whatever he can for the team. That does not always make you a, a great football or a great quarterback, I should say, because Tim Tebow was the exact same way, just with a whole lot more ego than Taysom Hill does, because Tim Tebow could be what Taysom Hill is right now. But uh, he is a quarterback, according to himself. And then he had to go play baseball for a little bit and then came back when he was 30-plus years old and said, you know what, I've never played this position before, but I'm going to play tight end when I've been out of the league for six, seven years. I'm just going to go right back into it like nothing's changed and then get absolutely blown up every single day in training camp. Ridiculous. And then Derek Carr for the Pro Bowl. I'm not, I'm not even going to bring up the fact that he got benched. Or we are because we just did, but that's not even the reason why. He just wasn't good this year. None of the quarterbacks, really, apart from Trevor, have any say on why they're in the Pro Bowl this year. Tyler Huntley's not going to be the starter in Baltimore next year. Derek Carr is going to be playing somewhere else next year. And he said so as, as much during the Pro Bowl skills competitions on a, whenever it was, Friday or Saturday night. But for the game today, the game today, we started watching the game. My dad and I were sitting there watching this Pro Bowl game. Because remember, they did the flag football thing. It was flag football. And we're sitting there watching the first drive of the game. And you go into it, at least my mindset was, 
Oh my God, it's the Pro Bowl, and I'm going to sit down and watch it because it's football, but I'm not going to like it. I'm not going to like it. I'm going into this thing knowing damn well that I'm going to absolutely despise this thing. That's going to be super boring to watch, like all the other Pro Bowls have been, which have essentially been two-hand touch games for the better part of five years. Glorified two-hand touch games with pads, with nobody running at all. And the first drive of the game today... With the flag football thing, I was sitting there with my dad, and I was like, Dad, this is not fun. This is not fun. It took a drive later to where I go, I'm actually really enjoying this. I'm really enjoying this. Like, I actually, no joke, I thoroughly loved watching the Pro Bowl today. I never thought I'd say that in 100 years. I actually enjoyed watching it. I thought Eli and Man, Eli and Peyton were really good. I loved the trash talk. I loved that Stephon Diggs and Trayvon Diggs were going up against each other every single rep. I loved everything about it. It was fun. You had players wearing sunglasses, hats, bucket hats, wearing all these chains. Justin Jefferson had three chains in the game. Like, it was just fun. It was fun. Now, it was the thing that I will say that was bad against the Pro Bowl this year is that they had refs that were not flag football refs. And I understand that to a certain extent because the magnitude of the NFL and how many people are going to be watching that, regardless of you going liking the Pro Bowl or going hating the Pro Bowl, you're going to watch at least part of it, at least most people out there. So the magnitude of some random-ass flag football ref, the moment might be a little too big for them. So you have refs from the Pac-12, apparently, that came in to do this game, but they don't understand the rules of flag football because, surprise, surprise, it is a little different than normal football. And there were times where, like, Peyton Manning would yell at the ref. Like, the end of the game today, yelled at the ref about how that's a you can't do that, that's a flag. Talking about Kirk Cousins kneeling the ball down at the end of the game because they were in the quote-unquote no-rushing zone. He took a knee. But Kirk asked the ref if he could do it. The ref was like, sure. But that was, it. That was in the rules. He couldn't make, you couldn't have a rush attempt at that point. You had to throw the football. You're in the, it was like within the five-yard mark or something like that where it was like you could not run in this specific area or you can't run, you can't run as a quarterback unless they blitz, which... I don't know what the refs were looking at or what they thought a blitz was because every time a quarterback ran today, I was pretty under the, I was under the mindset of, wow, the, okay, the defense blitzed. Yeah, you can run. Like, that was my mindset watching it. But they'd throw flags and everybody would be confused, especially the quarterbacks in Peyton and Eli. Like, they would just be confused the entire time. Like, Geno Smith had a couple carries where they got called uh, legal rushing or something like that, or they'd have illegal blitzes because you could have, like, one blitz a drive or something. I don't remember exactly what all the rules were, but... Because the rules when I played flag football, but you and I, are different than, I guess, what the NFL was trying to do. Because what we did, you couldn't block in this game. But you could, like, like even, like, there was a time where I think Kyle Juszczyk, like, shouldered somebody, or Dalvin Cook, it might have been Dalvin Cook, shouldered somebody to push him off a little bit, got called for an illegal block. Which you can't make contact with them. And the centers weren't even doing anything. The centers would snap the ball and take a knee. Like, in flag football, if you and I, you could have two people on the line of scrimmage, and they couldn't, like, lock arms or anything, but you could you can touch them, but you can stay in front of people. They weren't doing that here in the Pro Bowl. So there was basically a free blitzer if the defense tried to do that every time. And sometimes the quarterbacks would get out of it, but other times they wouldn't. And it was just a really weird <laughs> situation, but I, I really enjoyed it. I actually really enjoyed watching the Pro I was laughing a lot during this game. I was getting into it. I liked how they had the flag football and they'd have some random events in between each thing. Like, it was fun. It was actually fun. And... It was, what I found really interesting, or what I think's funny, like, in hindsight, like you go back to August before the season started. If you said the two starting quarterbacks for the Pro Bowl would be Geno Smith and Tyler Huntley, 
I would have called you crazy, especially since Lamar Jackson wasn't supposed to get hurt this year, and then Geno Smith was a part of a team that was supposed to be one of the worst in the NFL this season and have a top-five pick, which they do, but not because it's their own pick, because it belongs to the Denver Broncos, who were supposed to be a playoff contender this year. They were apparently a coach and a quarterback away from being able to compete in the NFL. Turns out they're a little bit more than that away. But I would have called you crazy. I would have absolutely called you crazy. And I understand, like, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow were all favorites to go to the Super Bowl, so it wasn't like all of those guys were being the Pro Bowl. Like, I was fairly confident one of those guys would be playing in the Super Bowl this year. At least one of them. Well, uh, yeah. So it could have been Mahomes. It could have been Allen. It could have been Burrow. I predicted Allen and ended up being Mahomes, but Allen and Burrow were nominated for this. Like, those are the three best quarterbacks in the AFC and the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's kind of hard to go like, ooh, this person will squeak into the Pro Bowl this year. But for the NFC side of things, I guess I didn't expect, like, Rodgers or Brady or, like, Stafford. I know Stafford had a spinal contusion, but... All these quarterbacks in the NFC side that were supposed to be the upper echelon of quarterbacks did not have their greatest years, which opened the doors for the likes of Geno, for the likes of Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins to step right up and take their spots. And Geno played freaking lights out. I think he had one incompletion the entire time. It just happened to be an interception. So if you want to get technical, the ball never touched the ground. He technically completed a pass. It's just to the wrong team. And he had like 200-something yards and five touchdowns. Like... Gino was dicing them up. Gino had some really, really nice throws throughout the Pro Bowl. I don't know if they gave out a Pro Bowl MVP, but I would say Gino Smith was a Pro Bowl MVP, at least of the top, at least of the, the flag football game. I thought he played awesome. Kyle Juszczyk also played really well. He had a really nice catch on the last drive of the game for the NFC. Uh, Kirk Cousins threw in the ball. But it was funny that Gino Smith and Tyler Huntley, Tyler Huntley played well as well. Tyler Huntley actually played pretty good in that game. He threw a touchdown to Jamar Chase on the second drive. He had a touchdown to... Who scored all the touchdowns in the first one? The first, the first game was fun. Like, it was this back-and-forth game where it was, oh, everybody's scoring. Everybody's scoring. This is fun. And then the second game happened. And what they did, so I think the, the NFC won the first game. NFC won the first game. So they got six points. So what happened, there were three games. If you didn't watch, there were three flag football games. One of them was six points. The first one was six points. Second one was six points. And the last one was like winner take all, essentially. Because the scores were so close throughout all the other events. Because they got, you got a certain number of points for like, they had um, the catch, the like the, the spectacular catch game or whatever it was between Diggs and Amon Ross St. Brown, which Diggs did not do anything in except for stare at a bunch of cheerleaders' asses. He tried to be smooth with it. He tried to be a little smooth with it, but uh, he did, <laughs> I thought he was put on a mask. That didn't you couldn't see out of, but uh, yeah, he didn't need to duck down for that one. I know what he was doing. I know what he was doing. I think everybody on Twitter knows what he was doing as well. But um, they had like the the chain gang thing where they were trying to pull giant sleds. They added a bunch of forty five pound weights on it. They had obstacle courses. They had dodge or uh, yeah, dodgeball. You had tic tac toe with kickers, long snappers, and punters. So like every single event you got points for, for your team or your conference for the Pro Bowl. And then the, the flag football one was 6-6 six, six, and then wh- whatever whoever won the game. It was so close that it didn't really matter at that point. So the first game goes to the NFC. The second game takes place, and we are treated to Trevor Lawrence versus uh, Jared Goff. Again, if you told me at the start of the season that Jared Goff would be playing against Trevor Lawrence in the Pro Bowl, I would have also called you crazy. And Trevor Lawrence's first drive was went about as bad as as it probably could have, 
for a, a, your first ever Pro Bowl drive. Trevor Lawrence did not have the greatest game. He threw a beautiful ball to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown later in the game. But it, it, if they had review, it wouldn't have counted. But it, but it was still a really nice throw, still a great play by Diggs to even catch the ball and even come close to bringing it in. Like, he got he caught the ball, brought it in, but he didn't get both feet in bounds. I think everybody's aware of that. But Lawrence, his first throw was wide, like way wide, really bad throw. And the second play, Ben Jones, this one's not on Lawrence, but he basically rolled the ball on the ground and in flag football. This is similar to what it is up in Cedar Falls as well. In flag football, if the ball touches the ground, it's dead. The ball's dead right there. So Ben Jones basically rolled the ball to Trevor Lawrence, so it was dead. And then his third play of the game, he threw an interception to Jair Alexander, which got returned for a touchdown. So it was about as bad as it could have gotten for Lawrence. But you know what? The AFC ended up winning that game. They won the second game, so it was 6-6 in the Pro Bowl games for the flag football. And then the final game was Kirk Cousins versus Derek Carr, which was probably, if you're, if you're talking about specific quarterback matchups, that was probably the most realistic one if you told me at the start of the season that those two would be playing each other in the Pro Bowl. I could go, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Based off what I was expecting, I knew, like, the Lions, I expected them to be better than what they were last year. I think everybody expected that. They were going to be competitive. Like, they were competitive in almost every game last year. They just couldn't get over the hump. Like, they were competitive in all games. I think they were 11-6 and against the spread or something like that, or 12-5 and against the spread. They just couldn't win all those games. Ended up with the second overall pick in the draft. So I wouldn't have expected Jared Goff to be in there. Trevor Lawrence's team had the first overall pick. So we're talking about the Lions at the second overall pick. The Jaguars have the first overall pick. And yes, their division is complete dog water, but that I wasn't expecting Trevor Lawrence to be in a Pro Bowl after his first year. I knew that would happen eventually, but I didn't think it'd happen in his first year or second year in the NFL under a new coach. But Kirk Cousins, with all the weapons that he has around him with Jefferson, with Thielen, training for Hawkinson, which we didn't know at the start of the year, but in season training for Hawkinson, having Dalvin Cook there as well with Alexander Madison. Like you have people around him that you can go, yeah, he can make the Pro Bowl. And the same goes with Derek Carr. I mean, they traded for Devontae Adams. They had Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing yards this year. So it's like, yeah, you you can see these guys making the Pro Bowl. And they played well. They played well. Derek Carr's uh, mic, I think it was, or at least his earpiece stopped working. So <laughs> him and Payton were basically yelling out plays to each other. Good thing uh, they didn't know what the plays were. I guess they didn't have any practices. Like, they just went out there and played. It was like watching a scout team game, essentially. Like, they didn't know what they were really doing. They had it on the wristband. And I would imagine, like, the wristband, they would line up in a specific spot, and the wristband would tell them exactly what they're doing. Like, if you were the number one receiver, you're running a dig. You're running the two, you're running a post. You're uh, the number three, you're running a hitch route, or something like something along those lines. That's what I would think it is. I don't think it would be, like, the play name, because they were just yelling out B15 or A12 or something like that. But Derek Carr played all right in the game. And then Kirk Cousins, he played well as well. You had the connections with him and Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, Hawkinson and Kittle scored a couple touchdowns in the game. Uh, you had some, like, a holding call in the end zone on Jordan Poyer that, that basically ended the game for the team. And then they – there was another penalty. There was two penalties on the defense on that drive. Like an illegal blitz or something, I don't, I don't really remember. But Kirk was the – the, the quarterback for the last drive of the game, and that was the whole thing with him and Manning about talking about, hey, they can't kneel it, they can't run the ball, they're in the no-running zone, they can't run the ball, that's illegal. That should be a penalty, that should be our ball or whatever. And again, the game was fun. The game was really, really fun. I th- actually, no joke, actually thoroughly enjoyed watching that. And it, it's interesting to see if they continue to do that, because I think that was more entertaining than 
the however the last however many Pro Bowls. I'm not saying it was perfect. It definitely wasn't perfect. There was a lot of weird calls where the refs didn't look like they even knew what was going on or knew the rules 100%. So it was there were some like things that they'll need to get over next year, but I wouldn't be upset if they did it again next year. I wouldn't be upset at all. I love the games that they do. Like Josh Jacobs apparently when they were playing dodgeball, he's like this shit's stupid or something like that. Which is fair. Which is fair, but hey, this was actually competitive. This was actually competitive. Players were talking shit the entire game. And it was what was funny and I always find this interesting with like being from the producer side of things when I worked with like the Iowa Cubs and stuff like that. When you're doing a television broadcast, and even like at you and I, when I did football and basketball games there, and you have the people and producers that are trying to mute things. So there's like usually a six, seven second delay between what hap- what's said on the field and the, what goes out on the, on the broadcast. So I thought it was funny when a player would like say shit and they'd bleep it after they said that. It's like, it's already happened. It's already happened. Now, again, there's that seven-second delay, but maybe they were like, oh, crap, and couldn't get it in time. But I always thought that was funny. Like, all the different players, they were just looked like they were having fun. I can't remember a Pro Bowl where the players actually looked like they had fun. Like, these guys were having fun. Like, the NFC, after the first however many touchdowns, were grittying as an entire unit. Not just, like, the offense. Like, defenders would come on the field and gritty. Like, Stephon Diggs grabbed a person's camera, was taking pictures of the whole team when he scored his touchdown. Like they were actually having fun. So there's gonna again, there's gonna be some things that you're gonna need to work on for next year if you're gonna do this again, because who knows if they're gonna do this again. Because the NFL, knowing them, would probably be like, oh man, that was so good. Let's go back to the other Pro Bowl. <laughs> Let's go back to the original one. And they said something about uh the the winning team got eighty thousand dollars or something like that, and the losing team got like forty two thousand dollars or something. Got like the nice performance bonus in there. No one would do it if they didn't get paid for that. No one would ever play in the Pro Bowl if they didn't get paid for that. Which, it makes sense. Like, you're getting a performance bonus. You're in there mostly because of how you played this year. Now, like, Tyler Huntley with two touchdowns this year in, like, five games. Yeah, you'll, you'll take that $80,000 and you're like, <laughs> you remember Floyd Mayweather when he said, uh, I'm the best at legalized bank robbing? That's kind of what Tyler Huntley did. And there's a few other players sprinkled throughout that whole thing that are, that are like that. Roger Saffold being another one. But the offensive lineman didn't really do anything. Offensive lineman did the the sled thing, and that was pretty much it. And then the obstacle course, that was it. The old lineman didn't really participate that much. They weren't in the game apart from the center. So they were basically just a cheerleader on the sideline, which is pretty fun. It's pretty That can be fun as well. Watching your friends just ball out and have fun playing flag football. Like we'd stay back at UNI and watch some flag football games. Like Flag football is fun to watch. It's a lot more fun to play, but it is fun to watch, especially when you got hyper-competitive individuals like you have in the NFL. But yeah, do it again. Do it again. I I would be perfectly fine with them doing that again. I was very hesitant going in. I was that we were at lunch today and we were like, oh, the Pro Bowl's on today. Do are we gonna watch it? I don't know. Like we had plans to watch the Pro Am, to watch Josh Allen and Aaron Rodgers and all those guys in the Pro Am. But we got back to my parents' house and the Pro Am's over. And they're going into the professional people. It's like, I don't want to watch the professionals. I want to watch the bunch of like the famous people, like Josh Allen. I want to watch him golf. Josh Allen's been hitting absolute darts, if you haven't seen that recently. Josh Allen is crushing golf balls. Absolutely crushing golf balls. I don't remember what the exact numbers are with Josh and his golf ball hitting ability. Let me see if I can can find... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude's in 315 with his driver, 285 with his three-wood. Then he's got... What else do we got on here? He's getting 245 with his two, 230 with his four, 220 with his five... 205 with a 6, 190 with a 7, 175 with his 8, 
160 with his 9, 145 with his pitching wedge. And then, yeah, he's just absolutely destroying golf balls, which is what he does. It's just Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things, absolutely obliterating, whether it's a football or a golf ball or whatever. Josh Allen just, I'm, I'm not going to say it. I think you understand where I'm going with that, but I, I don't want to say it because it might sound weird. So we're not even going to go that route. But you, some of you out there will understand where I'm going, where, I, where your brain's operating the same as mine. So don't act like you're super mature that I'm thinking that and you're not because you're thinking it as well. But with the NFL this week, along with the Pro Bowl and the Pro-Am, like Josh Allen going to the Pro-Am over the Pro Bowl is obviously really funny because no one cares about the Pro Bowl. Josh Allen having fun playing golf I mean, I think Josh would have had fun at the Pro Bowl, but he'd much rather play golf. He did this last year as well. Take some time off football. Take some time off it. Joe Burrow, I don't even know what Joe Burrow's doing. Joe Burrow just didn't do it. I don't know what Justin Herbert's doing either. That's why all these guys are here. Lamar's hurt. Tua's hurt. Because I think the alternates went Tua, Herbert, and Lamar, and then Tyler Huntley was fourth, and then I think it was Trevor Lawrence and then Derek Carr. If I've got that right, I could be wrong about that. But I think <laughs> the first six people <laughs> said no. <laughs> I'll say apart from Mahomes, he can't say yes because he's going to the Super Bowl. But the other thing that was kind of circulating around the NFL world this week was, and I thought this was hilarious. This is one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, was Arian Foster on a macro dosing, which is a Barstool podcast with PFT commenter who is one of my favorite sports commenters ever. Like PFT is a very, has a very dry sense of humor, which fits perfectly for me. Like me and my friend Spencer would sit back and watch like Big Cat and PFT on Pardon My Take and would talk about like, Big Cat used to, he hasn't done it as much, but he used to have like a weekly segment talking about how terrible the Bears are and how much he hates the Bears. Because one thing I've noticed being friends with Spencer as long as I have and knowing other people that are Bears fans, no one hates the Chicago Bears more than Bears fans. So I would sit there and watch that and just be like this, he's delivering it so dry and it's coming off like, oh my God, he's actually serious when he says this, but he's not. And this is like, like with PFT and Big Cat, that's what their stuff is. Big Cat will break a little bit more. PFT is more serious, like when he has the sunglasses on and stuff, but he started not wearing those like in the past year, he stopped putting on sunglasses. But on this podcast, this is PFT and Arian Foster's podcast. And on the podcast, Arian Foster <laughs> said that um, the NFL, like, practices in the offseason weren't actually, weren't actually practices. They were uh, practicing the script, essentially. It's like, and the PFT commenter's like, yeah, when you're like, this week you're going to break your ankle, this week you're going to pull your hamstring, or this week the ref's going to not choose a call for you because he likes the Colts more than you. And then one guy in the who's also on the show, but he's more of a backrest, said, uh, how'd you feel when the, the NFL script said your career was going to go downhill after 2015 when you stopped believing in God? So it's, it's like... And the thing that's funny about this is people took it, like national publications and people on social media took this seriously. PFT commenter is laughing <laughs> during this. And he posted tweets and former NFL player Arian Foster admits NFL is literally rigged. Like that is, if you can't see that's a joke, I'm sorry, I can't help you. But what spawned from this, though the people out there that also took it seriously, that I questioned their IQ a little bit, you look at the people that were posting memes on Twitter about, like, like I liked so many of them. Like, Jameis, Win Jameis reading the 30 interception season script and it's him squinting because, remember, he needed LASIK to be able to see. Then you have T.Y. Hilton, 12, please don't follow the script. Please don't talk about Andrew Luck. Then we have, um, there was a few others that I had on here, but I don't remember exactly what they were. Where are they? Where do they go? 
Do you know how much practice it took to mess up putting on my cap on with Matt Castle talking about the script there? Is there any more script things that I've seen? The NFL script memes are elite. That's someone just said that, and I liked that tweet. I thought that was funny because, yeah, they are being elite. Bills head coach Marv Levy getting the Super Bowl script from 1990 to 1993. <laughs> it's Michael Scott gritting his teeth because he's not happy with what the NFL script says. Then uh, what other ones do we have on here? Do we have any more that I'm really that I liked a lot on Twitter? Oh, former NFL player NFL Arian Foster admits the game is allegedly rigged and used to get script before every offseason with a football emoji, a stadium emoji, a mind blown emoji, and a trophy. <laughs> this is just funny. Jason Pierre-Paul reading the 2015 offseason script was the offseason where he blew up his hand with firecrackers. And it's uh, Hannibal from the, from Eric Andre looking at his hands. I, I think a lot of people have seen that before. But it's just a real – it's just funny. It's just really funny that there's people out there that think it's actually serious because you don't know or listen to the podcast or listen – no, PFT. Because Arian Foster, he started doing this podcast, I think, uh, like a year ago. I've never listened to a full episode of the podcast, but I know of the podcast because I know PFT and I follow him on all forms of social media. So I understand the podcast and I understand what PFT does and what he is and what, what his sense of humor is. Like that, they ask questions to like quarterbacks all the time that are that, that cut and dry. Like watch a, it's a different person, but watch the Sunday conversation with Caleb Presley. It's basically like that. Like PFT and Caleb are two of the funniest people at Barstool Sports. And Arian Foster... Former NFL player whose career was very cut short due to, I think, a back injury. They're going to so, say, oh, the NFL has a or Barstool paid Arian Foster all this money to try and get clicks saying the NFL is rigged. And it worked, but it went as it was supposed to be a joke. And then people took it seriously and made more clicks off that because of it. What are the comments on that tweet, I guess? I haven't seen the comments on that tweet yet. Where is that? There it is. There's the tweet. Quotes of this are awesome. Ooh, there's a rigged NFL shirt that I think is funny. Where is the Titan script every year? Just says mid. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings even got onto it when they did the halftime show. Like the the overtime. Man, I wish this went to the overtime. And they had the guy like the the guard, not the gardener, but the what do you call those people? The the people that go out and, like, grab, I don't know, whatever you want to call those people, the landscapers, that's not what they're called, but, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just really, like, Jets reading script every year, and it's just something bad. Like, I think, like, the NFL, and you could say this is a stupid take or whatever, I don't think it is. I think the NFL, out of all the sports in the world, and there's a lot of sports in the world, there's a lot of sports in the world, I think it's the hardest one to rig. I think it's 100% the hardest one to rig. Because unlike other sports, Football is really the only one where if one person messes up, the whole play goes kaputs. Like, if the center doesn't block, that whole play is done. It doesn't matter what's happening, what's going on. Like, every player needs to be in on it. Like, every single player. Like, you watch the Buffalo Bills playoff game against the Cincinnati Bengals. Stephon Diggs, is that, was that in the script for Stephon Diggs to react like that? Or was he the only one not in on the script? Because if they knew that was going to happen before the season started, or DeMar Hamlin dying on the field, or Von Miller tearing his ACL, or Micah Hyde get, hurting his neck against the Titans, Dane Jackson almost getting paralyzed, like all those different things, those were all part of the script at the start of the year? Bullshit. <laughs> like, I think soccer and basketball, or especially basketball, are relatively easy things to rig, and they have been rigged numerous times. I saw something on Twitter the other day 
There's a guy in the NBA, he's a ref. I don't remember which ref it is. But apparently there was a picture going around of his family all in Celtics jerseys. And apparently when he refs Celtics games, they are 29-2 and or something like that when he refs those games. Like baseball obviously has scandals that left, right, and center. You have the whole Houston Astros buzzer thing or the trash can thing. Like you can cheat in all those sports. It's hard to get in football like that. Like in basketball, if LeBron James decides not to shoot, Lakers probably ain't going to win a game. Like in soccer, there's match savings all the time. Like there was a whole thing back in the early 2000s, the Cal... Jeez. Cal... 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 Gee, I can't even say it right now. Cal... I'm not even going to try and say it. Cal... Cal Palachi scandal. Whatever. Juventus got freaking relegated for match points. They were paying teams to like lose games for them or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Calciopoli scandal. You can go Google that. Like there's... I'm not saying sports everywhere around the world aren't rigged. But there's no such thing as a, a script. Things can change due to, like, a referee call or a player getting hurt or a player missing a catch or something like that. But it's not, quote-unquote, rigged. Like, I I hate the Chiefs as much as the next guy. I hate the Chiefs as much as the next guy. I live in Iowa, live in my, Iowa my entire life. I think most of the people I know, like, not just friends, but people I just associate with every once in a while, I think most of them are Chiefs fans. I hate the Chiefs with the burning passion. But I'm never going to sit here and say that game was rigged for the Kansas City Chiefs to win that game. The Chiefs were the better team that day. They were the better team, regardless if you want to say the, the third down thing was weird, which we did on Wednesday. That was one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in a football game. But that doesn't mean it's rigged. I doesn't mean it's rigged at all. There's missed calls in every single game. In every single game. But they're amplified when it's a game like this. Like in the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Chiefs game. They're amplified like that. But there's blown calls in literally every game. Every game. Like, why wasn't that a fumble? Why was that a flag? Why was this? Why was that? But there's no script. There's no preseason script <laughs> for each and every NFL team. Because these are guys that need to make money. And their money they're making, for a lot of these people, ain't worth it. <laughs> Just blow games like that. Like, every single person would need to be on it. That's why the whole DeMar Hamlin's not really alive thing was stupid. Like, DeMar Hamlin's dead, and they're trying to cover it up. You know how many people would need to be, like, in on that? You need to try and convince every single player on the Buffalo Bills who are friends with DeMar Hamlin that have grown, that been with him forever, like Dane Jackson and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, all the coaches, all the training staff, the ownership, everything, to try and go, okay, you guys need to pull this off. And all the other players in the NFL that are associated, like Miles Sanders, who play, who is friends with him. Tyler Boyd, who went to Pitt. Like, all these different players that are like, we know DeMar. Like, Cole Beasley, if someone died via the COVID vaccine or something, which was what the big thing everybody was running around with, Cole Beasley would be the first one to spout out on it. And Cole Beasley was on Twitter saying, no, DeMar's alive, I've talked to him. Like, Cole Beasley has been very vocal about how much he dislikes a lot of things that go around the NFL. I don't think if he covered up a murder, <laughs> as everybody was saying, that he would keep his mouth shut. I don't, th- I don't think you could pay Cole Beasley enough to do that. Knowing what I know about Cole Beasley, I don't think you'd pay him enough to do that. So that's why I don't think the whole NFL is quote-unquote rigged thing is kind of funny. Like, oh, are you just doing this for views? No, NFL doesn't need help with views. The NFL, the, just because of a blown call, more people are not going to tune in now because of that blown call or whatever than what they already were. Especially when it was as late as it is or something like that. It's just, it's just stupid. 
It's just stupid. But I think it's fun. I thought the tweet was funny. I thought the podcast clip was funny. The podcast itself, and the little bit I've seen of it, it is funny. So I'd recommend listening to it. I, I would recommend, pardon my take a little bit more. That's more of a sports-based one. I, macro dosing is a few different topics, but I think you can guess what one of them is. But part of my take is more of a sports-based podcast. They're, they're just funny stuff. They're just funny stuff. I'd recommend you listen to them. But that was what <laughs> – I saw that on Twitter, and I was like, I've, okay, I've, I've got to bring that up. I've absolutely got to bring that up. And the other things that I've been seeing, like, I saw something today – or the other day, a couple days ago, yesterday, actually. And it was uh, from Finn Nation, Dolphin Nation on Twitter. Colin Coward said the Dolphins should trade for Aaron Rodgers. Because remember, the Jets would work, but they wouldn't work. The Jets don't have a QB. New England has one of the – one, but he's limited, and it looks like Josh Allen and the Bills are regressing. The Bills and Josh Allen, uh, the Bills finished with a better record this year. And people are like, oh, they lost in an early round. Nope, they lost in the same round. Lost in the same round. We're kind of loosely screwed of the one seed. You didn't lose, you lost the one seed. You know, that's how, that's how it works. And Josh Allen pretty much has the exact same numbers as he did last year. Some better. So I, it's really confusing, that narrative. It's like, and he has a worse offensive line as well. Like, Roger Saffold came in. We were like, oh, man, the offensive line's going to be awesome. And it was not. Roger Saffold was actually bad. And the thing is, as well, that people I don't think take into consideration with talking about Josh Allen's stats, Josh Allen didn't play the fourth quarter or the second half in a lot of games this year. You look at the first two games, he didn't play in the fourth quarter. He didn't play the fourth quarter against the Rams or Titans. didn't play in the fourth quarter against the Steelers either. And then he had the elbow injury as well. And he, he missed other quarters in there as well. But there's times where Josh Allen's numbers could be a lot better than what they were last year. Instead, they're eerily similar because he didn't play as many games or as many snaps as he did the season prior. Which I don't think is getting talked about enough. Again, I think that's something that needs to get discussed a little bit more. Because his numbers, like he played 16 games this year. And he didn't even have the DeMar Hamlin game. Didn't register any stats in that game. So there's the DeMar Hamlin game. So he missed three quarters in that game. Missed a quarter against the Titans, a quarter against the Rams, and a quarter against the the Steelers. So there's six quarters Josh Allen didn't play. And he only played one drive in the Bengals game. So really, you could say he missed seven quarters. And his numbers are still right there with what they were last year. He had a he had 99 less pass attempts than he had the season prior. But he had only 200 less pass, less than 200 less passing yards. Had the exact same completion percentage. Had one less touchdown. And one less interception. So when he didn't play those seven quarters, you're telling me his stats wouldn't be better than what they were the season prior? He didn't play seven quarters. His rushing numbers, he was one yard away. Or one yard from tying his career high. Two yards away from passing his career high in rushing yards. He only needed three more touchdowns rushing to pass his career high in rushing rushing touchdowns. He needed two to tie it. And again, you're telling me that Josh Allen regressed when he didn't play seven quarters. Played one one drive of the first quarter against the Bengals the first time they played. And I saw, like, with that in that same breath, Super Bowl odds, according to Fox Bet, Bills are the joint, or just below the Chiefs as a Super Bowl favorite for next year. Super Bowl 58. It goes Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Eagles, Bengals, Cowboys. Bills are a plus 550 to win the Super Bowl next year. And the Chiefs are a plus 500. So they're just below. The, and the Niners are a plus 700. So this whole narrative that the Bills regressed this year? No, definitely not this year. Definitely not this year. I think there's points in this season where you could look at it as like, wow, they should have won that game. If they had Brian Dable, they'd be undefeated. I've said that numerous times this year. There are points where you can confuse on some of the things that they're doing, some of the player personnel, 
some of the decisions they're making. But there's not like they're, oh, they're a completely different team. They're done. They're done. Talk about windows. Uh, the Bengals can't afford to pay T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. So we're talking about windows closing. I'm not saying theirs is closing, but people are all over Twitter talking about the Bills dynasty, quote-unquote dynasty, is over. The Bengals got no money. Paul Brown, I'm pretty sure, is either the poorest or second poorest owner in the NFL. And that's, you know, poorest out of a bunch of billionaires. So I'm, it's not really saying a whole lot. But he don't have the money to pay all those guys. T. Higgins is probably going to get traded. Because he ain't on that level. He puts up good numbers, but he's not Jamar Chase. He's not Jamar Chase. By any stretch of the imagination, he's Jamar Chase. So they're, apparently he's asking for astronomical numbers, which I agree I wouldn't pay either if he's asking for an insane amount. Like, Jamar Chase could carry a receiving core by himself. Like, Jamar Chase missed, I think, five games this year and had nine touchdowns. How is that possible? He had nine touchdowns and missed five games this year. Four or five games with a hip injury. Like, the Bills' cap situation scary. Who they're going to bring back. Like, if you're talking about regression, it would be next year. This upcoming season. But according to Fox, they're still right up there at the best in the NFL. Because they've got Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. As long as those guys exist in the Buffalo Bills, they will be competitive. They will win the division. There's nothing really I could see that happens this offseason in regards to the AFC East that makes me believe that the Buffalo Bills are not going to be a favorite in that division or the favorite, overwhelming favorite, to win that division for the next X amount of years. We don't know what the Dolphins situation is currently because with Tua because he's still technically in concussion, concussion protocol. We don't know what the Jets are doing at quarterback. They could bring in Aaron Rodgers, but this is 39-year-old Aaron Rodgers going on 40. This isn't 28-year-old Aaron Rodgers. If that's what happens, they bring a Garoppolo, Carr, whoever, then they're competitive, more competitive. But there's nothing that could change my mind that the Bills are going to win the division next year. They could regress a lot. I don't think they're missing the playoffs because, again, you've got a top three quarterback on your roster. Top two. Top two. What? We're not even going to have that. Top two quarterback in the NFL on your roster. It's like the Chiefs. People wanted to write off the Chiefs this year. Bart Scott, before the season started, I believe it was Bart Scott, said before the season the Chiefs would miss the playoffs. It's like as long as they got 15 on their roster, they're fine. Tyreek Hill is a good piece. Tyreek Hill is one of the best receivers in the NFL, one of the most electrifying players of all time. But you got 15, and you got 87 there as well. And you got Big Red, Nandy Reed. Like, you've got pieces that can outweigh the loss of a wide receiver, and you've replaced the wide receivers with different people that allow the ball to get transported or get moved around a lot more than what it would have. I'm not saying they have a star out wide, but like Juju, Tony, Hardman when he's played, Marcus Valdez-Scantling when he's played, Sky Moore. Like, they've had their moments this year because they have 15 at quarterback. And the Bills, they just need to improve their offensive system because they need to go, hey, let's try to take some of the pressure off of Josh Allen. The bank, the Chiefs have added a running game with Isaiah Pacheco. They've built an offensive line that's competitive. They're, a couple years ago, they drafted their whole right side of their offensive line with Creed Humphrey, with, um, crap, I can't remember their, Willie, and then their guard was, guard's from TCU, I believe, but I can't remember what his name is. I cannot remember. Trey Smith. No, he's from Tennessee. He's from Tennessee. Trey Smith's from Tennessee. And they got Andrew Wiley in there as well, who's in his fifth season of the NFL. But he had Lucas Niang there as well, who was the starter, I believe, last year. Yeah, he was the starter last year. Like, they built an O-line. They brought in Joe Tooney. They brought in Orlando Brown. 
And they brought in big pieces, made big moves to improve the offensive line and make Patrick Mahomes' life easier. The Bills have not really done that apart from adding Stephon Diggs. The only time the Bill, unless, unless you want to discount, if you want to add Stephon Diggs into this conversation because they did technically trade a first-round pick for him so you could count him as a first-round draft pick, the only time the Bills have addressed the offense early in the draft under Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott was Josh Allen and actually used the draft pick. Because I know technically, again, you could say Stephon Diggs was a first-round draft pick. There is one, count of one, first-round draft pick on this offense, and that's Josh Allen. There's one of them. Devin Singletary was third-rounder. I'm pretty sure Diggs was a fifth-rounder. Gabe Davis was a fifth-rounder. Isaiah McKenzie, I think, was a seventh-rounder in Denver. Dawson Knox was a third-rounder. Deion Dawkins was a second-rounder. Roger Saffold. Ah, uh, he was a late-round draft pick. Or, oh, okay, no, he was, wow, he was a second-round draft pick. I guess I did not even realize that. Mitch Morse was a second-round draft pick. Ryan Bates, I know, was undrafted, and Spencer Brown was a third-round draft pick. They do not address the offense. And you look at Khalil Shakir as a fifth-round draft pick. Like, the people they add in on offense are not, like, you got in Morse. Morse was the highest-paid center in the league when he got signed, and then he got a concussion and almost had to retire <laughs> right away. Like, they need to get some more pieces on offense. Guard and receiver will be big areas of concern going into this offseason. And then getting a power back. Like, an actual power back. Because James Cook should be the number one guy next year. Should be the number one guy next year. I think his ability to make fast cuts, his ability to catch out of the backfield, is second to none in this offense. You've given his size as well. Like, he should be the number one guy, no question. Naheem Hines will be a nice gadget piece next year. Hopefully they use him more next next year. But bringing the power back in will be very smart than drafting like Osiris Torrance from Florida and getting in like later rounds, looking at some of the wide receivers there. Like looking at, uh, I don't know, a Hutchinson from Iowa State. Like you look at all these different receivers you could get in the later rounds. Like this is not a great, great receiver class. Or like you can get someone in the first round as well. Like potentially, like people are up in the air about what this receiver class is going to be. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jalen Hyatt, Zay Flowers, Josh ja- Josh Downs, Rashi Rice, Cedric Tillman, Parker Washington, Tank Dell, who's had a really good Senior Bowl week, Marvin Mims, Dontavian Wicks, Rakeem Jarrett, Puka Nakua from BYU. Like these are guys that have had good weekends or have had good seasons. It could be very nice pieces. Michael Wilson from Stanford had a really good week at the Pro Bowl, Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl. Sorry, Ronnie Bell. Like you've got options here. They need to add some. A guard and receiver should be the first two picks if there's one available there. If not, I think it'll be like Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M to safety. But again, you've invested so much early draft stock into defensive pieces. I think it's about time you address some of the offensive issues here in the early rounds. Like first round, early second round. Like you got James Cook in the second round. I like the pick. Just use him. You brought him in as a receiving back. He had 21 catches in 18 total games, including the playoffs. 21 catches. And that's your quote-unquote receiving back in 18 total games. That's not going to cut it. You need a game plan better for him. You need to actually utilize him. And hopefully next year you do that. And bringing in offensive off-the-line pieces, because the Bills, according to PFF, ranked 30th out of the best offensive lines in the NFL. 30th. There are 32 teams in the NFL. And those two teams, surprisingly, did not make the playoffs. I don't remember even remember who they are. But you got Josh Allen, so things are fine and dandy. They'll restructure his contract this offseason, so we'll see what that does to them. But 
We'll see what that does. But yeah, Chiefs are the favorite to win the Super Bowl, and probably rightfully so. Rightfully so. And the Chiefs and Eagles, we know they're going to play next week. So we have the Pro Bowl all done. We are now we're focused solely on the Super Bowl, the biggest sporting event in America. I'm not going to say the world. I'm not going to go that far. In America, it's the biggest sporting event in America. I know the World Series is big. I know Stanley Cup playoffs are big. I know the NBA Finals are big. Not as big as they used to, but they're still big. Like, there's different sporting events that are massive in America, but the NFL reigns king and has reigned king my entire life, and the Super Bowl will always be something that everybody watches. Everybody watches. Whether you like football or not, you're going to sit down and watch the Super Bowl. And there's not a lot of people that like these two teams. Chiefs are unbearable, and both both sets of fans nobody really likes. I think everybody can agree on that. No one really likes either set of fans. I've, I've had way less issues with Eagles fans than Chiefs fans. I've been to a game in Buffalo with Eagles fans. So I've, I've been accustomed to Philadelphia Eagles fans, fans in the past. I've just been more into uh, more involved with Chiefs fans because I live here in Iowa. Maybe it's way worse in Philly, but Chiefs fans suck. <laughs> Don't throw trash at me, please. But this is a game that everybody's going to watch. And I've seen this a lot recently about people talking about if Mahomes wins this Super Bowl, is he the GOAT? It's like, that's, that's, a, that's a wee bit early, isn't it? <laughs> He's been a he's been in the league for six years. He's started five of them. He has gone to five straight AFC Championship games. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to three uh, two others. We're about to see what happens with this one. Odds are against him to win the Super Bowl, given what the Chiefs' injury status is and how the Eagles have dominated throughout the playoffs. But it is way too early to say he's one. He's the goat. Way too early. I was having this conversation with Jared Andrew a couple weeks ago about how Mahomes could potentially be the GOAT. I did not think that in a few short weeks, like we had this conversation back in like December, and then a few short weeks later, a few months later, we're talking about on social media that he's going to be the GOAT if he wins his second Super Bowl in two tries, in three tries. Like Brady won seven Super Bowls. I understand there are different factors that go into it. I know Mahomes is more talented than Brady, but it's going to take – I'm not ready to go – yeah, Mahomes the go if he wins his second Super Bowl in his sixth year in the NFL. I would be capable of saying he's past Elway, but I'm not taking on that he's going to be the greatest of all time after this Super Bowl. John El – I've said this for years. I said it last week as well because we brought this up again. The top four quarterbacks of all time are Brady, Montana, Manning, Elway. That's the top four. Your fifth option could be whoever the hell you want. Marino, uh, Rodgers, Favre, Unitas, Graham, um, Staubach, Bradshaw, uh, and Mahomes. I think Mahomes is probably number five right now. But if he wins the second Super Bowl, I think you can make the argument he passes Elway. Elway got absolutely dick-slapped in two Super Bowls. Lost three of them in the 80s. Two of them were absolutely annihilations. With like a combined score of, what, 99 to 28 or something like that to the Bronco, to the Redskins and the, the Niners. And it was funny at ICPA last week, we had Carl Mecklenburg, who was a linebacker for those Denver Broncos teams in the 80s, drafted the same year as John Elway and Jim Kelly and all those guys in the 83 draft. One of the best linebackers to play, or probably the greatest linebacker in Broncos history apart from Von Miller. One of the greatest players in Broncos history. Not in the Hall of Fame, not in the Hall of Fame, but he was a part of those teams. We listened to him talk, he gave a motivational speech, it was good. It was really good. And I wanted, he asked about questions, and people were kind of roasting him a little bit, and I wanted to say, how would you let Timmy Smith rush for over 200 yards on you? But that's not important. That's not important, because it happened. It happened. But he was making fun of Vikings fans. He's from Minnesota, so he was making fun of Vikings fans a little bit. 
He said lift the Lombardi Trophy, which Vikings fans, if you don't aware, this is a Super Bowl you win. This is a trophy you win if you win the Super Bowl, Vikings fans. So he was having some fun, but I was I was sitting there with my dad, and I was like, eh, I don't think he can say that because he never won a Super Bowl. <laughs> so you can't can't really say that, can you? You can't make fun. Your team won a Super Bowl. But can you if if you haven't won a Super Bowl and you're the one making the joke, can you say anything? I don't know. Carl Mecklenburg's a great player, so I don't want to say anything bad about that. But Elway, Elway's great. And D- Dan Orlovsky posted a thing on ESPN. His top five quarterbacks of all time were Brady, and then in this order, in this order, it's not like some random order. According to this thing, it, I haven't wa- if I haven't seen a clip, I didn't hear him say it, I haven't seen him post it, but according to this, it is Brady, Mahomes, Elway, Manning, Marino. No Montana is actually ridiculous. That that is the dumbest thing of all time. Until Brady came along and beat I what probably the Falcon Super Bowl, probably is that where we everybody kind of said yeah this is the goat. Like until the Falcon Super Bowl, Montana was the greatest quarterback of all time. Like there's no like now Brady's passed him, so now we got to chuck Montana out of it. I respect the Marinos in here. Like I respect the Mahomes is in here, but you ain't passing up Joe Montana. This is Joe Montana. This isn't some random ass guy. This is Joe freaking Montana. Four Super Bowls, three Super Bowl MVPs. Like this dude is one of the best playoff performers performers of all freaking time. And played injured his last however many years of the NFL. He's pretty much hurt the entire time he played. Played through it every year. Almost died on the football field playing against the Giants. I think it was against the Giants. But yeah. It's disrespectful to not have Joe Montana in there. Disrespectful. Absolutely disrespectful. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And then, like, Greg Rosenthal on NFL Network ranked his top 10 Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. And I have no idea what the parameters of this list are. Because it was top 10 Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. So that would just be quarterbacks that won a Super Bowl, right? His list reads Brady, Unitas, Montana, Manning, Marino, Rodgers, Favre, Young, Elway, Mahomes. What does that mean? What I'm confused on what that means. Like, who, <laughs> who, because if you're going off what they did in Super Bowls, Montana, you cannot rank, you have to rank him at two. I mean, technically speaking, United was on a team that lost the Jets. He didn't start the game because he was hurt. Earl Morrill played that game, but, like, how, what, what are the, what is the parameters? Of, like, if you're talking about Super Bowl, Marino never won a Super Bowl. He was 0-1 in Super Bowls. Lost to the guy who sits at number three. <laughs> and Joe Montana. Like, Rodgers only won one. Went to one. Like, I don't I don't understand the meanings behind this list. This list is very odd. Very odd. Like, it doesn't... <laughs> top ten Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. So, on just off the title, you would think it'd be like, this is the top ten quarterbacks that won Super Bowl. So, what, what the hell is this order? Why is Marino on here? Marino went to one. It's like second year in the league. Never went back. Elway went to five. Got blown out in two of them. And you're talking about Super Bowl performances? And like Phil Simms and Doug Williams need to be on here too for how they played their Super Bowls. I, I don't get this list at all. Nick Foles needs to be on here. Eli Manning, one of five players ever to have two, multiple Super Bowl MVPs. It's like, Eli needs to be on here. (laughs) Definitely needs to be on here. Especially if you're going to throw in a guy that doesn't have a Super Bowl in your top 10 Super Bowl quarterbacks of all time. 
kind of eliminates people that haven't won a Super Bowl, you would think, right? Right? Yeah, exactly what I said. Exactly what I said when I read that stupid list. But with that being said, with Marino losing a Super Bowl, I'm going to be fun. So every day this week, leading up to the Super Bowl, I'm going to do a quiz on the Super Bowl. On the Super Bowl. And in this upcoming Super Bowl, there is guaranteed, unless the field implodes like it did in The Dark Knight Rises, where Bane comes out and explodes the field, and Heinz Ward's the only one that's left of the Gotham City, whatever the hell their team name is. Someone will lose. Someone is guaranteed to lose this game. And this quiz that we've that we're gonna do, I don't think I've done this quiz before. I don't think I have. Is the NFL Super Bowl losing quarterbacks? The thing is, there's 56 quarterbacks. 57 will be next week. And there's only seven minutes to do this. So we'll see if we can do this. Let's see if we can do this. Okay, 56 quarterbacks. We're gonna try our best to go in order. In order is the key here. Backwards. Backwards to the 56 to 1. That's the order we're going to go in. As much as we can. As much as we can. All right. 3, 2, 1. We've got Joe Burrow. Lost last year. We have Mahomes. We have Garoppolo losing to Mahomes. The Rams. We have Jared Goff. The Patriots. We have Tom Brady. The Falcons. We have Matt Ryan. Panthers. We have Cam Newton. Super Bowl 50. We have Cam Newton. Then we have Russell Wilson. Then we have Peyton Manning. Then... Kaepernick, then Roethlisberger, gotta make sure I spell their names right, Roethlisberger, Cardinals, we have Warner, Bears, we have Grossman, and the, it automatically, if they've been to multiple Super Bowls, it already fills in, so if you don't hear me say, like, exactly in order, it's because they already fill in, Hasselbeck, in one of them, there, McNabb, losing to Brady, Panthers, Delome, Jake Delome, how do you spell his name, uh, two M's, two M's, Raiders, Rich Gannon, won an MVP. <laughs> Giants, Kerry Collins, in the weirdest Super Bowl quarterback matchup of all time. Kerry Collins versus Trent Dilfer. Titans, McNair, one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time, RIP. The Falcons, that's Chris Chandler? Yeah, Chris Chandler. Packers, Favre, Favre. Patriots, Bledsoe, Favre beat Bledsoe in that Super Bowl. Steelers, that's Neil O'Donnell. <laughs> Through two easy interceptions. The Chargers, that was Stan Humphreys. Worst, one of the worst Super Bowls of all time. Steve Young absolutely dominated that game. We have 28 out of 56 so far. Five minutes, 34 seconds left. Bills, well, this is guaranteed four in a row. We got Kelly. Then we got Elway. Then we got, I hate spelling his name. I, I can't spell Boomer Esiason. So I have to, I don't know what it is. I cannot spell his name. So we're going to, I have to type in Esiason there. Patriots, that is Tony Eason. The, the, that one's funny, the 85 Super Bowl, because the Bears went 15-1 and in the regular season. The only team they lost to was the Dolphins. With Dan Marino. And the Dolphins lost to the New England Patriots in the playoffs. And the Patriots proceeded to get absolutely annihilated in the Super Bowl. Then we got the Dolphins there, and that's Dan Marino. We talked about them losing to Joe Montana. The Washington Redskins, that's Theismann. The Miami Dolphins, that is Greasy. I, I always, his name's kind of hard to spell. It's not Bob Greasy. Who's before Marino? Oh, no. Who, who would have been before Marino? Who's that super tan guy that we talked about a couple shows ago? He's number 10. I can't remember. I got an Earl Morrill. Well, Ken Anderson's one of them there for the Bengals. Eagles is Jaworski. Then Rams, that was Fair Vince Ferragamo. Uh, I don't know how to spell his name. I got to cheat on this one, too. I, I'm not cheating. I just need to figure out how to spell his name. Vince... 
Fer Ferragamo. There we go. Need to figure out how to spell his name. It's a long name. Dallas Cowboys. Staubach. Got to spell his name right. Got to spell his name right. <laughs> Denver Broncos. Ooh. Ooh. I, he was number nine. He was number nine. I don't remember his name. The, the Tarkenton. Three Super Bowls. Washington. Not Tyson. Is it Jergerson? I don't think it's Sonny Jergerson. I think he might have. He would have been before that. Way before that. I don't know why I even guessed him. Potentially. Got to make sure I spell his name right, though, if I did. Okay, it's not Sonny. Dallas Cowboys, that is... Oh, I did this last week. Who was this? Well, the Chiefs is Len Dawson. I got that one. The Raiders, that's like Amarillo. Amarillo. I know who that... My elbow's acting really weird. I feel like I punched it on something. The Vikings one's also bothered. The Vikings quarterback also wore number nine. I know who both the Broncos and Cow Vikings quarterbacks are, and I know who the Cowboys one is. That one is why I can't I remember his name. He was number 17. He was an actor, too. Or wait, no, he lost the Ice Bowl and retired. So who would have been the Cowboys quarterback in that Super Bowl against the Steelers if it wasn't Staubach? No, no, that was, yeah, because they lost the Colts that Super Bowl, Super Bowl five. And Earl Morrill, as we said, lost to the Jets because Johnny Nice was hurt in Super Bowl three. So we got Earl Morrill in there. Bob Greasy's in there a few times. Or he's in there once, sorry. I got 50 out of 56, got 230 left. The Miami Dolphins ones bother me. I don't, I can't think of who that is. Who would have been the Dolphins quarterback? It wouldn't have been Scott Mitchell. <laughs> just gotta, just gotta double check. Just gotta double check. Scott Mitchell was Dan Marino's backup for a year, few years. He had the, the Rob Johnson syndrome where he looked good in a few, or Matt Flynn syndrome, I guess you could say. But he played better than Matt Flynn. He played better than Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn never got a chance when he, got, when he went to Seattle. Like He played with Barry Sanders in Detroit after he was, signed a massive contract with the Lions to be their starter. Got a minute 56 left. I am completely blanking. Washington. Who would have been Washington's quarterback if it wasn't Theismann? Because Theismann was the backup at that time. He was playing like, uh, if, I'm, if I'm picturing this right, Theismann was the backup for a while. He was a he was a backup like rotating into like kick returner and punt returner at that time. If this is the same Washington like around that era, it's obviously not Doug Williams. He beat the Broncos as we've talked about before. Vikings though, Vikings and Ra the Raiders one is kind of pissing me off a little bit because I know who it is. And I, I know who I know who the Raiders won. I know who the Cowboys won. I know the Vikings won, and I know the Broncos won. But I can't think of their names to save my life. I'm completely blanking on like uh, on Washington's quarterback in Super Bowl seven, and then I'm completely blanking on the Dolphins quarterback. I or the yeah the Dolphins quarterback. I don't know who that would have been. I think it's the guy who wore number ten, but I can't. It's not Earl Morrill. I know Earl Morrill played for the Earl Morrill was a starting quarterback for the Dolphins when they went undefeated. He played most of the games. Like Bob Greasy, I think played five games that year, and he was hurt all season, and then he start. Uh, Don Shula started him in the Super Bowl, even though he hadn't been playing all year. We got 36 seconds left. Like That would have been like if Purdy led the 49ers to a Super Bowl and then Garoppolo came in and started the Super Bowl. That'd be kind of what that situation was. But Greasy's a Hall of Famer and Garoppolo is not. <laughs> oh, why is it? Why can't I figure this out? I got 20 seconds left. Dolphins quarterback. Why? I'm, I'm done. I can't. I'm completely... Stumped. I've got 50 out of 56 right. 
the rate this is gonna piss me off when I read it because it's got I'm I can't think of the Cowboys quarterback. That's the one that's actually pissing me off the most. Craig Morton. Daryl LaMonica. Yep. Joe Cap was the Vikings one. Billy Billy Kilmer, maybe. Craig Morton. David Woodley. I was not guessing David Woodley for the life of me. That is not the guy I was thinking of. That is not the guy I was thinking of. We brought up the guy I thought of before or was thinking of before because he was the backup to Marino his entire career. And then he uh, went up to Cleveland for a little bit there as well. What was his name? I got to go to the Dolphins roster of that time and see what his name was because I cannot remember. Don Strock. Don Strock was the guy. Don Strock was there for that Super Bowl. He just didn't, he didn't play in it, but he was there. Like, Don Strock was there in 73. All the way back in 73. And that Super Bowl with with um, David Woodley, of all people. Let's see. What Super Bowl was that? Super Bowl XVII. I think they lost to Washington. I think that was the one they lost to Washington. That was, uh, cause no, no. Yeah. Yeah. That was the one they lost to Washington. I'm pretty sure. XVII. I could be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. They lost to Washington. And David Woodley was the quarterback. Don Strzok played in the game. Does that count? He had, man, Don Strzok. If I could have thought of Don Strzok, actually, I would have counted that. David Woodley went four of 14, 97 yards, a touchdown and a pick. David Woodley did not even play for the Dolphins after that. What year was this Super Bowl? So David Woodley got to the Super Bowl as the starting quarterback of the Dolphins and then was swiftly. <laughs> so wait, hold on. My next beat was Marino. Okay, so he, he came in. He Woodley began the 83 season as the starter, but the Dolphins' def- offense continued to underperform. The ongoing struggle was promoted prompted Don Shula to insert Marino, then the rookie. Lineup midway through a 17-7 road loss to New Orleans Saints by week five. So, dude went from, this is like, this would be Garoppolo. (laughs) Woodley is Garoppolo. He's had a little bit better career. Garoppolo's had a little bit better career, but. Yeah, the Daryl LaMonica one, I knew. Craig Morton, yeah, Craig Morton was a, he did some acting. He retired, like, not Craig Morgan, you silly billies. Craig Morton. There we go. Craig Morton. Yeah, and he played for the Broncos a little bit as well. Like, this dude... Yeah. Oh, well, no. Was uh was this the right guy? Yeah, yeah, because he played in the Ice Bowl. He played in the Ice Bowl, I think. And this was that was, like, the game that destroyed him. Or almost destroyed him. When was the Ice Bowl? That's bothering me now. Ice Bowl. NFL. Hold on. 1967 NFL, NFL championship game. Was it Craig Morton that was in this game? Don, okay, no, Don Meredith was the guy I was thinking of. Don Meredith. Because Don Meredith retired after the Ice Bowl, essentially. So that was, I wasn't thinking Craig Morton. I was not thinking Craig Morton. I was thinking Don Meredith. Joe Cap again, should have gotten that. Billy Kilmer, maybe. Craig Morton. But, oh, I would have gotten Craig Morton twice. I guess I didn't even think about that. I would have gotten him twice. And then Daryl LaMonica. The one I'm most upset about. Is David Woodley. <laughs> That's the one I was guaranteed to get, and I did not get it. Very upsetting that I did not did not get David Woodley. Especially being a, a, a disciple of a Woodley myself. Like, I should have gotten that easily. Absolutely easily. And uh, I think that's all I'm really going to talk about today. 
that's all I'm really going to do. So I, the last thing I'll leave you with is uh, Clay Harbor said people talking about Bryce Young not holding up, not holding up in caps. Don't know what they're talking about. He's not a running QB. He has 160 yards in his entire career. QBs have unprecedented production in the pocket. That's why Tom Brady could play at 65 years old. Obviously, LOLs were had while making that tweet. And Bryce Young can definitely run. He chooses not to. He's very smart with how he runs. Bryce Young does not take a lot of big hits. Bryce Young could definitely rip off massive carries. You saw that against Utah State this year. Like, Duke could absolutely run. But his size will concern some people. And there's teams like the Carolina Panthers, apparently. Remember we talked about this, I think we talked about last week, about possibly trading up with the Bears to get C.J. Stroud. And there was uh, ML Football, which is a verified Twitter account, so you have to trust it, said, would you accept this trade? Comment below why. It was the Panthers getting number one overall, the Bears getting the ninth, 39th, 61st, and a first-round pick in the next year's draft. So that's going from 9 to 1. 9 to 1. Just for comparison, I saw someone post this in the comment section of this post, of this tweet. Because there's teams that have traded up a lot to get to uh, get to their guy. Get to their guy. So when the Redskins, the then Redskins, drafted Robert Griffin III, hold on, I got to make sure I remember which uh, how much they traded up for. So, after a brief bidding process, I need to know what pick they had. They're not say. <sighs> They're not saying, it's not saying what pick they already had. That's the problem. I want to know what they traded up from, because the problem is, the tweet that I saw did not say where they traded up for. Oh, yeah, they traded from sixth overall. There we go. So, the Washington traded up from six to one. They gave up three first-round picks, three of them, and a second-round pick. That's from sixth overall. So the fact that you think the Bears are going to only get three draft picks from this year's draft and a one first-round pick is kind of ridiculous. That's not going to happen. The Bears are going to get so much more than that, especially if they trade back with the Panthers. Now, that would be a similar-ish. Like, you'd get a first-round pick for next year. You're borderline guaranteed to get a first-overall pick or first-round draft pick next year for a quarterback. If you're trading back with a team that's trapped in quarterback, you're going to get a first-round draft pick. The Rams got three first-round draft picks, 12-13-14, out of this pick for just RG3. Now, Washington is a little bit more, at least Daniel Snyder, when he wants something, he goes over the top to get it. This is where, like, uh, Jim Irsay would come into play here. See how desperate David Tepper is at that point. But, yeah, the Bears are going to get more than that. Bears are gonna, so everybody in the comments was like, Comment below, would you accept this trade? It was like, who who accepts this trade? Who declines it? It was like, the Bears decline it. <laughs> the Bears decline the trade. And apparently, I don't know if we said this the other day, the Titans have been one of the teams interested in trading up to number one. Very interested to trade up to number one, apparently. They've talked to two teams, the Panthers, or the, the Bears have. Oh, Kendrick Lamar won wrap up of the year. Congratulations, Kendrick. <laughs> Deservedly so, given all the other uh, the uh, the nominees. I personally think that uh, JID's album was better, but he wasn't even nominated, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I don't think it's by a lot. I think I wouldn't have been surprised if Kendrick won the album of the year, even if JID was in there. But yeah, there, there's going to be a lot. There, you're going to need to bid more for the first overall draft pick. You're going to need to bid more for the first overall draft pick, especially if you're the Panthers trading at nine. You're going to need to trade a lot more because the Bears are going to be like, well, we can get the guy we want at two or even four. And Jalen Carter or Willie Anderson, the two guys we're going to look at most in this draft. 
you're going to need to give up a lot because we're not getting those two at number nine. You're not getting. You're guaranteed not to get those two at number nine. So that's where the talk comes in, where you got to go. We need a lot more than that. But that's all I've got for you today. I hope you enjoyed the show as much as I enjoyed the Pro Bowl. At least maybe more. Maybe even more than that. But uh, I hope you guys did enjoy. Make sure, again, to follow me on all forms of social media. You can fo- follow the podcast as well. Go to the all the different things. Check out the blog post as well. Go to theloganblabbitshow.com. Check it out there. And, yeah, I will see you all later. It was nice to be back on a Monday. <laughs> Peace.